The Blevins Franks Report with Rob Kay of Blevins Franks Wealth Management. It's that time on Review Radio in the morning where we talk to Rob Kay. Good morning, Rob. How are you? Good morning, Howard. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? I am. Thank you. Well, I was looking back over our previous broadcasts and I was shocked when I realised you've been doing these broadcasts for nearly seven years. Initially with Bill Blevins and then for the past 12 months on your own. The Blevins Franks Report on Riviera Radio has now been on air for over 30 years and during that time you frequently encourage listeners to take professional advice. So I think it's about time we interrogated that issue a little deeper. But before we focus on do-it-yourself or professional advice, what attracted your attention in the news this week? Well, Howard, none of us uh, could escape the fact that on Monday, France's health pass became the vaccine pass. Um, It's quite uh, a contentious subject, but uh, it requires proof of vaccination to be able to take part in many everyday activities. The French government has, has been very open about the fact that their intention is to push as many people as possible to get vaccinated, which includes a booster jab. Since it was announced in December, it seems to have had the desired effect. Another one million adults have had their first dose of the vaccine. Now, probably most of us won't notice any difference. Since last summer, we've had to have the health pass to enter various public venues, such as cinemas, cafes, bars, restaurants, gyms, and to travel on public transport. The health pass was valid if you'd been fully vaccinated, if you could prove you'd recently recovered from the virus, and if you could provide proof that you tested negative within the previous 24 hours. Now, negative tests are not acceptable for the vaccine pass. Instead, you must present either proof of full vaccination, including a booster if that's applicable, a certificate confirming you have recovered from the virus within six months, or a certificate stating you cannot be vaccinated for medical reasons. From Wednesday, wearing masks will not be required outdoors, remote working will no longer be mandatory, and crowd limits at sports and cultural events, culture events will be lifted. When the audience is, is, uh, is seated, I understand. Then a fortnight later from Wednesday the 16th, um, those people that frequent them, nightclubs will reopen, although the exact rules will be dependent on the health situation at the time. Standing concerts will be allowed again, and uh, we'll be able to have a drink while standing at a bar. The UK has also announced that from 4am on Friday the 11th of February, if you're fully vaccinated, the requirement to be tested on day two after your arrival in the UK will be lifted, which I know was a welcome announcement for those listeners who are travelling to the UK for business, those who want to see family and friends in the UK, and also those who are looking forward to family visits over the half-term holiday. I was also surprised this week to learn that according to the UK's Office for National Statistics, the number of people aged 85 and above is projected to double to 3.1 million by 2045, while over the next 25 years the UK's retired population will increase to 28%. Until 1940, sorry, 2046, I'm going backwards in time here, the working population is expected to grow by just 5%. But after that, it will start declining because the birth rate is declining, which means a reducing number of taxpayers will have to support a growing number of older people, which will have a significant impact on our tax pensions and social care system. Balancing these extra costs will leave future governments with three options, be more efficient with spending, raise taxes or decrease the benefits offered in retirement. It's likely to be a combination of all three, but with both workers and pensioners feeling much less well-off than they do at the moment. Yeah, dark clouds on the horizon. 
Yeah. Well, turning to today's subject, is it difficult to quantify the value of a professional advisor? Well, it, it certainly can be, Howard. I suppose it, it all depends on how you measure value. Blevins Franks has always been focused on the value we, we deliver to our clients. And for obvious reasons, the past couple of years have really tested both investors and clients in so many different ways. Two years ago, the world's financial markets fell sharply when the global spread of the virus forced a, a sudden shuttering of, of economic activity. Then a few months later, the same markets bounced back, catching out the pessimists and rewarding those who've been told by their behavioural counsellors, better known as their financial advisors, to hang in there and don't do what investors should never do and sell at the bottom. Many of us found ourselves reassessing our lifestyles, our priorities and outlooks. Most of us had to switch seemingly overnight to a virtual environment which meant embracing new technology, which I know from a personal experience was, uh, was as quite a steep learning curve. For me, this highlights the evolving role your family wealth advisor operates in when they deliver holistic wealth management. Describing your financial advisor as your family wealth advisor probably better reflects the tangible benefits advisors provide to clients, such as receiving a customised client experience and ensuring the products held in your portfolio are aligned with your goals, circumstances and preferences. I also use the expression behavioural counsellors to describe financial advisors because if they did what they should have done over the past two years, they will have quite easily covered their annual advisory fee, in some cases, for the next 20 years. What is the starting point for professional financial advice? Well, every, every client has their own sets of, of goals or circumstances and preferences, and, and that's why we believe the customised client experience an advisor can provide has significant value. An advisor's role has changed in recent years. Back in the day... An advisor was essentially a broker who selected investments for clients. Now advisors are expected to provide holistic wealth advice for families and these days to multiple generations. The starting point is to get a deep understanding of a new client's individual circumstances, their financial goals and also their requirements. This is where human advisors certainly have the edge over, over what we've seen more recently which is robo-advice and dare I say trying to do it yourself. Frequently, people pick funds without advice. However, choosing the best fund is not going to change your life, but proper financial planning most definitely will. It takes time and skill to clarify a client's life goals because many clients struggle to recognise or articulate what is important to them. This can include determining what savings are required to meet their long-term needs and helping them decide when they can or should retire. A good uh, advisor will use all the tools at their disposal to better advise a client. This can include cash flow modelling, certainly risk analysis, tax tax structuring and decumulation strategies. Overall though, a good advisor never forgets no two clients are the same. They need to be able to recognise those differences and the specific idiosyncrasies. Once you've got everything set up, Do you really need an ongoing relationship with a professional, maybe quite expensive financial advisor? (laughs) Well, if nothing ever changed, Howard, once your financial affairs were correctly arranged, I agree, you wouldn't need further advice. You wouldn't need a professional advisor or ongoing advice. However, very few of us can avoid change, um, whether they are what I would describe as internal, such as marriage, children, divorce, and I hesitate to say death, to external, such as regulatory, legal or fiscal, unfortunately. 
With life comes changes and having an ongoing relationship and regular reviews with your financial advisor is very simply necessary if you want to stay current and financially fit. A good advisor helps clients to overcome natural predispositions such as loss aversion, home bias, procrastination, inertia or mental accounting. Once a client has adopted the recommended strategy, the focus should then switch to helping that client maintain composure in what is an increasingly confusing world. This means avoiding knee-jerk reactions, as I referred to earlier, driven by, in most cases, herd mentality and the dual forces of greed and fear. In a recent survey, the majority of advised clients said more frequently um, and more personalised service have played a substantial role in choosing to work with a professional advisor. Most advisory firms charge around 1% for the service they provide. Robo-advice firms typically charge around 0.4%, meaning advised clients pay an additional 0.6%. But robo-advisors generally don't provide a financial plan, any ongoing service or guidance. In most cases, they give the investor the option of choosing from a pre-selected list of funds, provide annual statements, and then a phone number to call if you have any questions. When someone finally answers your call, they will typically have a standard set of responses, to the common questions that they're asked. Professional advisors continually help clients refine their plans. Advice is not a one-off event, it's a lifelong journey, which requires constant refinement of the financial plan as your circumstances and needs change and evolve. Your client should be your long-standing guide, not someone who has sold you a map and hopes you reach your destination. I was once told an advisor's role is a combination of good advice and great administration because you can be the best advisor in the world, but if you don't follow through with the implementation, then your advice is worthless. Do you find that many British expats continue to use UK advisors and have UK financial arrangements? Yeah, that, that's uh, in the past that certainly was the case, Howard. Um, over the years, lots of people have moved to France but continued to use a UK advisor. Maybe it was that reluctance to change or they had an advisor who made them feel safe and secure. Safe and secure is understandable. These people had made major life changes by just moving to France. So changing their trusted advice was something that was maybe a, simply a bridge too far from both an emotional and self-preservation perspective. Before I arrived in France, I had spent 20 years advising clients in the UK. Some of that time was spent working for a French company. I'd read all I could on French finance, fiscal law, rules, etc., etc. But it took me less than a week after I joined Blevins Franks to realise I was starting my career all over again. Truthfully, before I moved to France, I didn't know what I needed to know to be able to advise clients who live in France. And most UK-based advisors are just the same as I was before I arrived. Many of the systems look the same. How different can France's income tax system be to UK to the UK system? The answer is completely. The UK operates an individual tax system, whereas the French system operates on a household basis. The capital gain system, the succession rules, wealth tax. In fact, Howard, the more I think about it, nothing is the same. So expecting a UK advisor with no French knowledge to be able to advise a French resident, especially after Brexit, is a massive risk and probably illegal these days. How important then is it to take personalised advice? Well, <clears throat> if the listeners didn't know before, after today's broadcast, I'm sure they'll have no doubts about my passion for creating bespoke strategic financial planning strategies. 
You might think you're the same as your neighbour, but I can assure you, in my experience, nobody is the same, especially from a financial perspective. I was reminded of this recently when after listening to these broadcasts, I was contacted quite separately by two separate couples. They live quite close to each other, they socialise together, and I discovered that they regularly discuss the content of our broadcasts. What they also had in common is something we've seen quite frequently over the past few years. They spent lockdown in their French holiday homes, and as a result, they decided to stay and become French residents before Brexit rather than wait, arrive later, and have to deal with more hurdles. Now, very quickly, it became clear these two apparently very similar couples were very, very different, which epitomises what good financial planning is all about. Through our discussions, we built up an in-depth understanding of what they wanted, but also what they didn't want. In this instance, it was very clear that financially, one of these couples needed to rethink their strategy because having arrived under the withdrawal agreement, it will potentially cost them an awful lot of money. What are the benefits of looking at different aspects of wealth management together, rather than considering investments, tax planning and succession planning separately? To, to be sort of blunt about it, this is really what the term holistic financial planning means, Howard. I mean, I touched on this earlier, but it's the, it's the process of looking at the whole situation rather than the individual component parts in isolation. I would go as far as to say if wealth management has been done properly, for want of a better way to describe the process, this is the only way it can be done or should be done. A perfect example of this is UK pensions. It was widely reported the UK government would extend the overseas tax charge to EU residents after Brexit. But for the time being, that hasn't happened. Now, despite the fact the UK government has introduced much more stringent transfer system for UK pensions, British nationals are still being cold-called about transferring or encashing their UK pensions and investing the proceeds with what they are told are European investments. The advice these cold-calling companies offer rarely goes beyond pension-busting. They never take into consideration that person's tax position. Far too frequently, their actions create horrendous tax problems. And this is an extreme example but it's currently very pertinent example of the problems caused by looking at just one element of your financial planning in isolation. Finally then, what advice do you have to help people choose the right financial advisor to guide their strategic financial planning? I, I completely understand why this can be a challenge. I mean, how do you select one company over another? Every firm offering financial services, financial advice or financial products sound the same. They sound like they all offer the same services, and then to confuse matters further, where does the bank sit in that equation? I'm sorry to say the challenges didn't get any easier with Brexit because most UK firms who previously advised French residents, British sort of French resident British clients, through the EU's financial passport system, are now simply unable to advise those clients who are EU residents. By now, most UK firms have written to their EU-based clients, informing them that they are no longer able to offer advice or servicing and service their existing arrangements. A few stragglers are still lagging behind, but the message finally seems to be getting through to both advisors and clients that the UK is no longer part of the EU and we're playing to a different set of rules. Levins Franks has spent the, f- the past 47 years advising British nationals who want to move and settle in Europe. In June 2016, as we all know, the UK voted to leave the EU. Over the past six, nearly seven years now, 
we have devoted a great deal of time, resource and money to restructuring to ensure that in a post-Brexit Europe, we're still around to continue advising our existing clients and provide advice to new clients who want to leave the UK and move to Europe. In truth, as a business, we didn't really have a choice. All our frontline people live where our clients live. They don't fly in and out, which means they have a deep personal understanding of the local issues our clients also face on a day-to-day basis. I joined Blevins Franks back in the 90s because I believed they were the best European-based advisory firm for British nationals living in Europe. With Brexit now in the rearview mirror, I probably should say well in the rearview mirror, I'm even more certain that Blevins Franks are the firm to choose if you want to be advised by a professional, fully authorised cross-border wealth management firm. So if you'd like to understand how you can benefit from professional advice, you need to speak to a Blevins Franks partner. If you live in France, you can call our Valbon office. And the telephone number there is 0493-001780. That's 0493-001780. And if you live in Monaco, our meeting of Levin's Franks partner in our Monaco office would be more convenient for you. Call our Monaco office. And our number here in Monaco is 97775574. That's 97775574. And if you have any questions you'd like us to answer in future broadcasts, email those to rivieradio.blevinsfranks.com. And if you would like to know more about Blevins Franks or if it's easier to contact us via our website, simply direct your internet search to www.blevinsfranks.com. Concise as always, Rob. Thank you very much. We'll talk again next Sunday morning. Thank you much, Howard. Have a great week. Look forward to speaking to you next Sunday. The Blevins Franks Report. If you would like more information on any of the topics discussed in this program, contact your local Blevins Franks office on 0493001780 or riviera at blevinsfranks.com. Is your wealth management on track to meet your objectives and provide long term financial security? Blevins Franks has 45 years' experience managing our clients' capital. We provide a range of integrated financial services to give you peace of mind about your future. Our investment recommendations are personalized for you and designed to be tax efficient and meet your estate planning wishes. Contact Blevins Franks on 0493001780 or visit blevinsfranks.com.